0: Amen. All right. Now, I'm going to read to you a story. You know, sometimes, pastors, you get these notes that come across your desk. I don't know what confession or whatever, but uh, sometimes in the mail, Tom knows that and stuff. But uh, all I got to say is, I hope this person <clears throat> wasn't from Sunrise. Listen to this. He said this. He said, hey, Pastor Billy, I was, I was, I was sitting at this uh, stoplight, at this stoplight one morning, and... Uh, uh, and the lady in front of me was uh, going through some papers in the front seat of her car. And when the light uh, changed green, she did not obey its command. A green light is a commandment, not a suggestion. Yeah, you don't want to move, do you? But anyway, so. <laughs> and when the light turned red, she still didn't move. So I began with my windows up. I, I started screaming strange words. And I was beating on my steering wheel. And, and my expressions of distress were interrupted by a policeman, uh, gun drawn, tapping on my window. And even though I protested saying you can't arrest me for hollering in my own car He ordered me into the back seat of his and so after about two hours in a holding cell the arresting officer Advised me that I was free to go and so I said I knew it I knew you couldn't arrest me for yelling in my own car. You haven't heard the last of this one And so the officer he says listen, I, I I didn't arrest you for shouting in your car You see I was directly behind you at the light and I saw you screaming and beating your steering wheel And I, I realized there's nothing I could do for you throwing a fit in your own car but that's when I noticed the cross hanging from your rear view mirror and the, the bright uh, yellow choose life license tag and the Jesus is coming soon bumper sticker and that fish symbol. And I thought for sure you must have stolen the car. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. That's right. How many guys would say Ken's not being a very good witness? I mean, whoever that was, you know, uh, uh, anyway, but, uh, but believe it or not, Ken or whoever that was, folks, uh, uh, are not the only ones who are being a bad witness with their duplicit behavior uh, as a Christian in our world today. Uh, what's happening, folks, is because Christians, once again, are not studying the Bible, and churches are not preaching the Bible, it's now producing a whole generation of churches full of Christians who are acting just like that, practical atheists. Oh, we say we believe in God, of course. You've got to at least get that one right, wink, wink, right? But half the time, what's going on with our lips and with our lives, just like that story, we're giving a different impression. Like God's not even a part of the equation. Like he doesn't even exist. Like a practical atheist, okay? As we've seen, hello, that's not just detrimental in our walk with God. What's that do? People are watching us like that policeman. Okay, it keeps other people from believing in God. Okay, so to avoid that irony of you and I as Christians living like these practical atheists by not knowing who God is We're going to continue our study on the character of God. Let's defeat this practical atheist Let's get rid of that. That's detrimental to our walk with Christ, but also a bad witness for Christ Now we've already seen from God's Word. Hello. He is real. Anybody glad about that? Praise God all four of you. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Hello. This is not a pipe dream. This is not OB for the masses We're here for a reason because God is real now Coupled with that, that's the second thing we saw, is he's personal, he's intimate. Why did Jesus die on the cross? To start a new religion on the planet. No, he died for a relationship, an intimate, beautiful, loving relationship uh, that is true that we have before we even get to heaven. It's awesome. Now, the third thing we saw is he's not just smart, he is wise. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere. God knows everything. He never gets it wrong. He doesn't lie. He is holy. So guess what? Why in the world would you go anywhere else for advice? Amen. And he's left us his word, the Bible. Man, isn't that awesome? Anything you need to know, he's given it to us. If you just go to him. Okay, we saw the problem. Now, the last seven times, who's counting? I am, Debbie. Thank you for asking. Uh, The last seven times we saw the fourth thing is God is also what? Sovereign. Once again, I think you're starting to catch on, but let me read that definition for you. Okay, We know he's good, but listen to his sovereignty. That means that all things, how many things? All things are under God's rule and control. Listen, and that nothing, what? Nothing happens without his direction, okay, or permission, okay? And we saw, again, that's just not like a wonderful, comforting truth in our walk with God. It begins to answer some of those skeptical questions we get asked about God. And one of the big ones is, people seem to choke on for some reason, is what about evil and suffering, okay? There's no good that can come from suffering. Uh, Yes, there is, when you're a child of God. God has promised that he works how many things? All things out together for good for everyone? No, no for those who love him. Do you love him? Then you should just go to sleep at night. Man, I don't care what I go through in the day. Doesn't matter. I might not like it. I didn't say it was going to be easy. Jesus didn't say it was going to be easy. There's got to be something good. And that's what we've been seeing, folks, taking a look at that proof. Last time we saw two more wise reasons why in the world is God allowing hard times, yes, even for the Christian. And we saw that was to produce a powerful testimony. Turn to somebody and say it again. It's testimony time. Huh? Remember that? It wasn't anybody blessed last time hearing all the testimonies from what i went through please somebody say yes it makes me feel better (laughs) did anybody get to birth a testimony this week from some problems you went through well a couple of you did the rest of you next week's your turn so be encouraged it's coming right and that's just it we love hearing testimonies we just don't want to become one but hey God doesn't play favorites, okay? He'll he'll take us through a hard time so we can testify of his goodness to other people. And then we saw to produce a powerful character to build those spiritual muscles. We'll get into that a little again today from a different angle, okay? So that we could have the character to stand the test of time. But that's not all. I'm still preaching on this, so guess what? There's got to be more. That's right, Bobby. You're on the front row for a reason, okay? Uh, We saw the 12th reason now is to get you steered into a new direction. Hey, does anybody ever have a plan in life? Men, raise your hand. You'll score points with your wife. Maybe you won't. Uh, but anyway, uh, uh, yeah, is that plan ever um, after years gone by and, or some time's gone by and, and that's what you thought you need to do, wanted to do whatever, and of course the plan got changed. You ever have your plans changed, right? But then you look back and you go, man, praise God, my plan didn't go through. Yeah, folks, I'm telling you, sometimes when your plans get interrupted, it isn't spiritual warfare. It's not the devil. It's not other people. It might be God steering you in a new direction, but that's okay. It's a good thing. And believe it or not, Paul went through that a couple different times. So let's take a look at that passage. Acts chapter 16 is our opening text here. Acts chapter 16. And uh, if you want to flip there and get into that text, it would be awesome. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Acts, the book of Acts. Acts of the Apostles, I think is uh, originally called. But Acts chapter 16, verses uh, 6 through 10. We're going to see in the context here, Paul's on a missionary journey. Right? He's telling other people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that a good thing to do? Yes. But we're going to see not once but twice in the context here. His plans, Paul's plans, even though they're good plans, they get interrupted. Okay? But notice who interrupts them. Right? It wasn't the devil. Let's take a look there. Acts chapter 16, okay? verses 6 through 10. Here's what it says. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia and having been kept by who? The Holy Spirit. Who's the Holy Spirit? That's God, obviously. From what? From preaching the word. Isn't preaching the word good? Yeah, but the Holy Spirit kept them from preaching the word in the province of Asia. All right, so they went in a different directions. So when they came uh, to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the what? The spirit of Jesus. Who's that? That's God again. Would what? Would not allow them to. Uh-oh. So then they passed through Mysia, went down to Troas, and, and during the night, Paul, he, there, he, he had this vision of a, a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So after Paul had seen the vision, it uh, says we got up at once ready to leave for Macedonia, concluding that what? Who? God had called us to preach the gospel to them specifically. And I love this passage of scripture, folks, because how many times do we do this? We blame, uh, uh, when things don't go our way, we blame them on the devil. We blame them on the people. You, you know, it might just be the hand of God. Did you know that? Okay. That's something to consider. But Paul here and his companions, they had intentions of preaching the gospel to a certain area, not once but twice. Okay, but what happened every single time, the first two times? They got interrupted. The Lord kept them from doing so. And you think, well, why? I mean, he wasn't sinning. I can see, okay, they got hungry, so they're going to go rob a 7-Eleven. How many of you guys ever done that? Please don't raise your hand. Bobby, are you serious? Come on, dude. You're messing up the front row thing. All right? But... uh... Right? obviously you think, okay, God's going to stop him, right? You know, don't, you know, convict, right? But, but Paul's doing something good, unlike Bobby, right? And, uh, <laughs> right, he's preaching the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do. And so then he's, what, he, why? And then not just once he does it twice. What's going on? Why would God do that? He's doing, but doesn't he? Well, Paul found out later, and isn't that usually what we do? It's called hindsight 2020, right? Paul found out later that even though it was a good idea at the time, listen, it wasn't God's time. And God's time is always the best. It wasn't God's time. So God steered Paul in the direction that he wanted Paul to go. Now, folks, here's the kicker. Did you know that God also allows resistance to come our way That so we, too, like Paul today, can get steered in the right direction? Have you learned that one yet? Okay, He really does, folks. But here lies our problem. We all say that we want to know. And we want to follow God's will. How many of you guys have you ever prayed? oh, if only I knew God's will. If only I could figure out what he called me to do. And mean, we've all been through that, right? And we say that because it's the right thing to say. But listen, here's the problem. But when God's plans don't line up with our plans, we rebel. Let me say that one again. We say we want to follow and know God's will. But really, when his will, his plans don't line up with our plans, we rebel. Okay, oh, and of course, we can't say that, but then that's usually when we go to blame shifting. Oh, it's got to be spiritual warfare, the devil, it's got to be other people, if only even... It might be the hand of God, because God's got something better for you. Now, the problem with that, when we do that, folks, I don't know if you notice this or not, but we not only go down roads that are harmful for us, but we miss out on the fruitful ministry that God designed for us with the new direction in the first place, right? He's steering it for something good, Okay. Why would we resist and so god sees this he sees everything he's loving he's good and so out of his gracious wonderful merciful sovereign goodness you know what he does he brings those problems along anyway <laughs> right he provides the resistance right when we try to do our plan our way or no way right we got all of our things lined up there we think this is why it's best and so hopefully we learn real fast that well listen we could either follow our own plan and experience nothing but pain, or you could just simply listen, submit, and trust God's plan. Hey, what a concept. He really does know what's best for us. Just submit to it. Why do you have to reset? Just go with it, man. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't make mistakes, okay? And, And you think about it. Is that not the choice that Paul had to make, right? We read the encounter but Paul and his companions lived the encounter. Now, we don't know the conversation they had, but, but I don't think this is what was going on there. When, when, when God, the Holy Spirit, and then the Spirit of Christ, when God both times interrupted their plan, was Paul freaking out? Was he throwing a tantrum? Was he yelling? Was he, yelling? Was he blaming other people? Oh, it's the devil. Oh. No. What did Paul do? All right, we're doing something good for the Lord here, but mm, No. We're getting resistance. God won't let us go. All right, let's not quit. Let's not give up and get disgruntled. No, we're just going to go over here. No. All right. Oh, open door. Let's go. right. Much better way to go, folks, for you and I today, even when we face resistance. Okay. He didn't blame the devil. He didn't blame other people. The resistance he was. Listen, he knew that God in his wisdom was not just in full control, but he's good. So therefore, he had a good reason for the resistance okay it's like this one of my all-time favorite stories wallace johnson learned that too listen to this true story wallace johnson he's the builder of numerous holiday Inn motels okay that's that's who uh, made him and uh, and also convalescent hospitals now listen to his story he said when i was 40 years old i worked in a sawmill and one morning the boss came in and just simply i walked in and he says you're fired 40 years old he said i was not depressed and discouraged, but I felt like the world had caved in on me. And and listen, on top of that, it was during the depression. And my wife and I greatly needed the small wages that I'd been earning. And so I went home and I told my wife what happened. And she said, what are you going to do now? Listen to his reply. He said, honey, I'm going to mortgage our home and go into the building business in the depression. (laughs) I don't know what that conversation went, but here's the results. He said, my first venture was the construction of two small buildings. Within five years, I was a multimillionaire in the Depression. Listen to his response, though. He said, today, if I could locate that man who fired me, I would sincerely thank him and shake his hand (laughs) for what he did. Listen, though. Listen how honest he is. He says, at the time, I didn't understand why I was fired. It didn't make sense. Later, though. I saw that it was God's unerring and wondrous plan to get me into the way of his choosing. And was it better? Absolutely. Okay? Didn't say it had to make sense, necessarily. Didn't say it was going to be easy, necessarily. But it was the best way. So you look at that, and that's just one example. We see Paul's example. We see this example. Is God being a big old meanie to us when he allows hard times to come our way as a Christian? Absolutely not. Listen to this phrase. He's trying to get us to see that trouble is only opportunity in work clothes. I'll say that one again. Trouble is only opportunity in work clothes. Okay, And sometimes God will allow difficulties to get us steered into, a listen, not just a new direction, but a better direction. Listen to receive a new and better opportunity. But when we resist his leading, we're not only missing out on some great opportunities, but we're headed down a destructive road. Why? Because at that moment, when we start to resist, when we start to rebel, what are we really doing? At that moment, what are we saying? We're saying that we know better than God and that our plans are better than his. And how many guys learned that that's not a very good place to be in? Right? That's spanky Winky time. Okay? It leads to a life of heartache. Okay? But, and, and flip it around. Could, could, could this have not have happened? Let's flip this around with Wallace Johnson. Okay, and what he went through. Okay, what if he went in there and his boss fired him, and what if instead of just submitting to it, trusting God, he knows what he's doing? What if he said, "Oh yeah, I didn't do nothing wrong. You, I'm taking you to court. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take, I'm gonna sue your pants off. I'm gonna take you for everything you were." You can't do this. What if he, what if he did that? Could he have done that? Could he have responded that way? But he trusted God. He submitted to it, says, okay, God, got resistance there, don't know, but you're the ones in control how many times? All the time. And your character is good, how often? All the time. So logically what? There must be something good that you're going to have me go through next, right? You're going to give me something better, okay? And again, this is the point, folks, even though we may not see it now, the difficulty, listen, you might even be facing today. May very well turn out to be the best thing, that could have ever, ever happened to you. Why? Because God is good, and he knows what he's doing, folks, every single second of the day, down to every little minute detail, even though we're half the time not even cognizant of it. Like this Christian, watch this. There's a Christian crying out to God in a fit and says, God, can I ask you something? And God says, sure. And the Christian says, why did you let so much rotten stuff happen to me this day alone? And guess. what do you mean? Because he says, well, I, I, I woke up late, and, and my car took forever to start. And, and then at lunch, they made my sandwich wrong, and, and I had to wait. And, and on the way home, my, my phone went dead, and just as I picked up the call, and, and then to top it all off, to top it all off, when I got home, I, I just wanted to soak my feet in my foot massager and relax, but it wouldn't work. Nothing went right today. God, why'd you do that? And God goes, well, uh, let me see. Uh, The death angel was at your bed this morning, and I had to send one of the other angels to battle him for your life. So I I let you sleep through that one. Oh. Uh, I I didn't let your car start because there was a drunk driver on your route that might have hit you if you were on the road. Oh. And the first person who made your sandwich today was sick, and I didn't want you to catch what they have. I I knew you couldn't afford to miss work. Oh. Oh. And your phone went dead because the person that was calling you was going to give a false witness about what you said on that phone call. So I didn't let you talk to them so you'd be totally covered. Oh, I, I see God. Oh, and that foot massager, uh, it had a short that was going to throw out all the power in your house tonight. And I didn't think you wanted to spend the night in the dark. I, I'm sorry, God. And God says, don't be sorry. Just trust me in all things, the good and the bad. And don't doubt that my plan for your day is always better than your plan. And the Christian said, I won't, God. And God, thank you for everything that happened today. And God says, you're welcome. It's just another day of being your God and your heavenly father looking after my kids. That's the sovereignty of God. Isn't that a much better way to live? But when we forget that God is not just good all the time, but he is sovereign, i.e. in control all the times, and you put those two together like the most awesome peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Throw some bacon on there. Man, it's good, right? What a way to live. Just stop resisting. Mm, Thank you for being sovereign, God. God knows what he's doing, whether we like it or not, whether we want it or not. We walk by faith. In his word, not by sight. We trust him. Even in the difficult circumstances. Listen, sometimes he's going to do it to get us steered in a new direction. Not just to protect us from harm. To produce even more fruit for his glory. For souls to be saved. And isn't that what we've been praying for? And it's all because he allowed a hardship to come our way. He knows what he's doing. The 13th reason is to get you to appreciate fellowship. Turn to somebody and say, I need you, man. I need you. Okay, I'm glad you're here. Okay, but I didn't say God did. Okay, man, we usually don't talk about this, but I tell you what, folks, this is where the rubber meets the road, especially as day gets, uh, has anybody noticed that our society is getting worse? Yeah. Uh, you notice it's uh, spiraling out of control, it's getting more and more wicked. Did you know that the, ante- God's got a built-in antidote so we don't get bogged down by this evil, wicked world? You, turn to somebody and say, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> it's us, the church, right? And this is why he says this, why would you rob yourself of this constant source of encouragement? Don't fall for that trap. Hebrews chapter 10, 23 and 25. Paul's, uh, the writer of Hebrews says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he, God, who promises faithful, the hope of salvation. Am I glad? Don't budge from that. Praise God. The blood of Jesus we sang on. Oh, the blood of Jesus forgives us of all of our sins by the gift of God. Through the cross of Christ, we're going to heaven 100% complete, 100% guaranteed. Hold on to that. Woo! But not only that. He says, you're not only encouraged by that truth, listen to this, and let us not, Christian, give up what? Meeting together, as some are in the house doing? Why would you do that? It's like unplugging yourself from your source. But let us encourage one another, and all the more, as you see the day approaching, okay? talk about applicable passage, this is again, one of the biggest dangers we face in life is, in Christians is this, to stop meeting together, listen on a regular basis. Why? Because we got to make sure that we check off our registration and have the numbers go through. It's, listen, it's not about some dry, stale, man-made, legalistic, goofball thing. What's the text say? We need each other. And in a healthy environment, here's here's a Neat concept. Did you know that when we Christians meet together, okay, that we're supposed to feel better when we leave than when we came? (gasps) (laughs) But you go to some church services, and you feel horrid. Remember those days? Praise God. God's doing a great work. But it's not just to build an attendance. It's not just to show how big the numbers are getting. It's for our spiritual well-being. We need each other. And all the as the days are going to get more and more wicked. What are you doing? We, we come and we pray with one another. We, we study the word of God with each other. We, we, we edify one another. We laugh. We eat together. That's important. And we do, <laughs> right? right? And we, we encourage one another. We're a family. It's awesome. And we go, woo, we're charged up. In this wicked world that wants to bring you down. Here's a neat concept. Did you know you can do it more than once a week? Oh. You can come on Wednesdays, oh, on a family night, study the word of God. Oh. Here's a concept. Did you know you can meet together as Christians and it not be an official church service? Oh. What? Why? Wow. You can meet with that all the time. You'll have those people that'll say this. Well, I don't need to go to church service. I, I worship God and nature. You heard that one? You show me the verse where we witness the squirrels, and I'll, I'll be with you. Excuse me. No. <laughs> the church is a group of called. It's not a building. It's not a place we go. It's who we are. It's ecclesia in the Greek, and it's a group of called out ones. Okay, that's what it means. Right? And we come together as people, not squirrels okay, we come together as people, and we're what? We edify, we build one another. You can't do that by yourself in nature. You miss, listen, God saves us, and when he saves us, he gives us gifts, right? Number one, he seals us with his Holy Spirit. At the moment of salvation, praise God, we're going to heaven. Number two, the Holy Spirit also gives us gifts. What? To stare into to a squirrel, to to benefit a Squirrel, to have the gift of administration to benefit the squirrel or the tree or pick whatever you want in the nature I know I have the gift of, of Preaching I'm gonna to preach to the mountain what that's not what the gifts are for the gifts are for the edification of another believer But if you're not around another believer, guess what? Listen and it goes both ways and this is his point It's not just that you can't utilize that gift that God gave you for the benefit of the Christian for the benefit of another Christian, but that other Christian who has that gift that you need that particular week, you're going to miss out on that. And then you're going to miss out on it the next week, and then the next week, and then the next week. And then you sit there and you wonder, why am I getting so spiritually lethargic? You've unplugged from the big source of encouragement, the powerhouse, believe it or not, call the church. Okay? And, so, and that's the danger. And what we do is, we, then we fall for this secondary trap, and what we do is we sit there and we say, oh, man, I need to be encouraged. I just feel, I feel like a spiritual bug. I just, I just don't feel energized. And so we go and we seek encouragement from the world, right? Because the world is what will make me happy. The world is what will give me my, my strength. If I just do this worldly activity, that's what will satisfy me. That's what will get me charged, ready for the next week. No, it won't because your need is a spiritual need. And that's a trap. The world can never satisfy the spiritual hunger. That's what they want you to think. Have you noticed that even in the commercials? They don't even tell you about what the actual product is. It's just a way of life. That's not a car. I don't know what the mileage is. I don't even know what the size of the engine is. All I know is there's this guy, he's looking at a swimming pool and he falls into it and it looks cool. Have you seen that one? It's like, what is this, some psycho commercial? And say nothing about the car. I don't know anything about the car. But you're cool, apparently like that guy. It's a way of life. Because you're empty in life. But see, what they want you to think is your spiritual need can be met by a material thing. That's a life from the pit of hell. Your spiritual need can only be met by the Spirit of God. You need Jesus Christ. You need his word. You need his people, all infused with his spirit. Right, and so God sees us. He sees us falling from that trap—not just unplugging from the source of encouragement, but then trying to seek encouragement in this world. you know what He does? Man, is He faithful? He starts sending some troubles our way, right? And you know what happens? Man, some of the best prayers we ever prayed was what <coughs> in our times, right? And then when do we have the greatest attendance? <coughs> you and life falling apart, right? Now is God being mean? No, He's trying to protect us. See, the challenge is when the problem goes away, are you going to be just as faithful? Are you tired of this? Oh, up and up. No, no. Then stop doing that. Church, stay plugged in. Don't quit. And you stay strong. You stay consistent. It's like this guy. This is the ultimate story. I've shared this before, but I've never found one that encapsulates this passage in Hebrews like this. Listen to this. There was a member of a certain church who had previously been attending services regularly, but all of a sudden they just stopped going. And after a few weeks, the pastor decided to visit the guy and... And it was a chilly evening, and the pastor found the man at home alone, sitting by this big giant blazing fire in the fireplace there. And guessing the reason for the pastor's visit, uh, the man welcomed him in, he led him to a big old chair next to the fireplace, and the pastor just sat there and waited, didn't say a word the whole time. The pastor, he made himself comfortable, he still said nothing, and in grave silence, he, he was just looking at the play of the flames there in the fire around the burning logs. And after a few minutes, the pastor, he, he, he took the fire tongs and he carefully picked up a a brightly burning ember, and placed it on the side of the, the hearth there in the fireplace, all by itself, and then he just sat back in his chair, and he just still silent, and the host there, he was watching all this in quiet fascination, and, and as the lone ember's flame diminished, there was a, a, a momentary glow, and, and, and then his fire was no more, poof, it was, it was cold and dead as a doornail, black. And not a word had been spoken since the initial greeting, but just before the pastor was ready to leave He picked up that cold dead ember and he placed it right back in the middle of the fire and pew, Immediately it began to glow once more with the light and the warmth of all the other burning coals around it And as the pastor reached the door to leave he goes to the door to leave the, his host said uh, Pastor I want to thank you for your visit and especially for your fiery sermon I'll be back at church services next sunday that's what's going on, whether we see it or not, folks, spiritually. It's not about legalism, not because you have to. It's none of that stuff. It's for our benefit. Listen, especially as we see the day approaching. It's going to get worse. Sorry to rain on your parade. Read the Bible. Now, the good news is if we're saved, we get to go at the rapture above the seven year tribulation. We come back with Jesus, and he's going to renovate the planet to garden like conditions, the millennial kingdom. Woo! yeah but before we get there it's going to get worse if we're still alive and he should tarry but it's okay you know what he's done he's given us a gift you ready to receive this gift it's called the church turn to somebody say i need you man or if it's a lady you can say whoa man okay Now, if that person is not who your spouse is, don't get too excited about that. You're going to cause trouble. We need each other. Isn't that so brilliant of God? He built something in to protect us and encourage us in a discouraging world that's going, can I tell you, they're going to hell in a Ferrari. And he not only wants us to be encouraged, he wants us to encourage one another to get the gospel out so those people don't have to go to hell in a Ferrari that they could have what we have, and a little bit of taste of heaven, a godly family, before we get there. Did you guys know, my wife's still trying to deal with this truth. Did you know it? You're stuck with me forever. (laughs) But here's the good news right? Because we're going to be doing this in heaven, right? Not, not this, this, I mean, we're going to be together forever in heaven. But I, I want to encourage you. In heaven, the jokes will actually be funny. So <laughs> uh, apparently, that, that's my theory. I'm working on it. And I'm sticking to it. Okay. Hey, we need each other, man, right? Don't unplug from the source, okay? And so if God's got to allow, listen, difficulties to remind us of what we need, we need each other, so we don't fall for this trap from the world thinking you're going to get encouraged. But praise God for those troubles. Amen. I almost became the cold, dead ember. But notice how fast when you get plugged back in. It wow, doesn't take a month. Instantly. Wow. You feel charged right back up. One more to go. Uh, and we'll conclude for today. The 14th reason is to get you to build your faith. Right? And somebody go like this. Spiritual muscle. Right. Spiritual, none of you. Okay? Uh, to build your faith, spiritual muscles, man. That's sometimes what God's up to. But again, this is the same thing with David. Let's take a look at that passage there. First uh, Samuel uh, chapter 17, 8, 32 through 33, and 37. Accounts of Goliath. Of course, I shorten it. Uh, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel Choose a man and have him come down to me, David said to Saul. And uh, these words after Goliath threw out that challenge. He said, uh, let no one, David said, lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. But listen to Saul. Saul replied, come on. Who are you, man? You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he's been a fighting man from his youth. Not to mention he's really large and all that other stuff. But, but, but what, what was David's response say? The who? The Lord. And he goes back to not Goliath. And his battle plan and how he's going to fix it, he goes back to, I don't care about Goliath. My focus is on the Lord and the Lord and his track record. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Okay, Once again, the classic account, David and Goliath against all odds. David, he is not just willing, he is chomping at the bit Okay, to take down Goliath for impugning the name of the Lord. Okay, and you got to put it in context. There's a reason why Saul called him a boy because he was just a boy. Most uh, commentators would say he was anywhere from 12 to 14 years old. Okay, so here's Goliath nine something feet tall, huge massive guy, and imagine somebody the age of my son going, oh yeah, you're going down. (laughs) Bring it on. Right, son? Yeah, he's hiding from me, but uh, that's what's going on. Imagine my son trying to take on a nine foot seasoned warrior with folk. That's, that's David. That's David at this time. I mean, his whole, whole life, he's just been as a little shepherd. He's out in the field taking care of sheep. He comes on the scene like my son. Oh, yeah, you're going down. You're going down in the name of the Lord. So here's the point how in the world could such a young boy have such great faith to take on such a huge warrior? He gives us the answer in the text. He says right there, the giant, Goliath, is, listen, no different than the lions and the bears, listen, that he had already fought over the years. Here's the point. Therefore, David built a strong faith over the years by having to face many difficulties over the years. you get it? He's pumping iron over the years. Because wouldn't that be great if that's how it worked? You go and you buy all that, and man, there's exercise, this exercise, that everywhere, right? The px 933500 l the thing, the, the Bow Master, Tri Master, you Master, i Master, you, we all Master, I scream, you scream, whatever thing, right? And you know, and all these new things, technique. And wouldn't it be great if you just came and they delivered to your door, and of course you went into debt five grand, and they delivered to your door, and then all of a sudden you, you flipped the switch and you pulled it once, and poof, yeah! And you were like, buff. It doesn't work that way. Hey, has anybody found that out yet? Man, what a waste of five gram. No. <laughs> What's it take if you're gonna end up wearing baggy clothes like me to hide it all? <laughs> What's it gonna take? Ta-da! Yeah, well thanks. It's not that long. Come on, man. <laughs> no, yeah, it'll probably take years, but anyway. It's going to take time. It's going to take resistance. It's going to take hard work. And it's going to be a while. Sometimes that's what God does with our difficulties. right? How many, how many times say, oh, God, if I only had faith like David. Or, God, give me that faith. I want to be a warrior for you, right? Oh, well, I want to be strong like David. I want to be able to face any challenge that comes on. My I want to stand strong for you. I want to be able, hey, when somebody impugns your name, I want to stand there. But we haven't. Open that package let alone been working on it. So you know what? God's faithful. He sees all this. He wants us to be strong warriors like David. Okay? But it ain't going to happen overnight. It's going to be this problem. It's going to be a line of a problem here. It's going to be a bear of a problem over here. And it's going to be probably throwing some lizards and who knows what else. <laughs> and this is going to go on. And you've already been through it. And it's like, how many times are you going to do through this? And the next thing you know, you look over and you go, hey, I'm wearing baggy clothes like Pastor Billy. This is great right? God sees that, listen, he's omniscient. So does you know that that means he even knows our future? So in the future, he knows every single problem that's going to come our way. And he knows at what level of faith we need to be at if we're going to make it through that problem. So you know what he does before that day comes? Bring on the problems. Like David. David fought in one Goliath, Because David was prepared for Goliath through years of other problems. Interesting. But see, it's a choice you got to make, right? Every day, like these boys. Listen to this. Researchers studied two young boys, true story. And uh, they were raised in the home of an alcoholic father. And as the young men, they each grew up and they went their way. Adults, became adults, they went their way. Years later, one had turned out to be just like his dad, a hopeless alcoholic. But the other had turned out to be an upright citizen uh, who never even touched a drop of liquor ever. And so the first one was asked why he became an alcoholic. The second one was asked why he never touched his stuff and became an upright citizen. Oddly enough, they gave the exact same identical answer in these words, well, what do you expect when you got a father like mine? Think about that. Is God being a meanie when he allows problems to come our way? No. He's teaching us that a David-like faith, which we say we want, comes only by battling your Goliath, not blaming other people for Goliath. We all got troubles. We all go through troubles. We all have a past, good, bad, and ugly. Listen, though, just like those two boys, we all have a choice to make. And sometimes that's why we never get those troubles. Because we're not learning the lesson from the problems that God wants us to learn from. We need to hit things, we need to move on. We need to move forward. Get out of that past. What's the scripture say? What's Paul say? Hey, I forget the former things. I press on. Now that'll preach. Press on. Press on. Get your eyes off of that. Get it back on the Lord. But even when you go through those hard times, you got a choice to make every single day. You can either groan about your problems or you can grow in your problems. You can either whine about your problems or you can shine in your problems. Listen, you can become bitter about your problems or you could become better and that's what god designs for us just like with david by allowing the lions and the bears to come now what makes the difference is hope but listen hope only comes when your faith is strong your faith only gets strong by facing years of difficulties like david and you constantly remind yourself not of the problem but the one who's able to conquer the problem David made it through his problems with Goliath, not because he was looking at the size of Goliath, the size of his problems. He was looking and focused on the size of his God. That God is a giant slayer. I don't care how big it is. My God will always be bigger and he will take you down. That's the kind of faith that he's trying to get in. How many lions you got to go through? How many bears you got to go through? It doesn't matter if it's Goliath. It doesn't matter if it's 15 times bigger than Goliath. God's always bigger. And we're his children. He will always take care of us. That's listen the kind of faith that we need. Listen, not if, but when the Goliaths come our way today. Did you know we face Goliaths as well? This is the kind of faith we need to have. Don't look at the size of your problem. Focus on the size of our God. No problem is too big for him. And you know what? Even if it doesn't make sense, he still knows what he's doing. And he's still giving you the best. Just trust him. We'll close with this story. It's a true story. Another one, a missionary lady. I love this. A certain missionary found herself seriously ill where the Lord had stationed her. And to add to her sorrow, her missionary check, her support, the whole thing she lived on, didn't even show up. And and it forced her day after day after day to do without the good food she needed. Okay? And here she was, seriously ill, and, uh, and instead, listen, all she could do was live on a miserable diet of oatmeal and canned milk. That's it. Had nothing. But in spite of everything, the lady missionary got better, and after 30 days of that steady oatmeal diet, she finally got a check. Whew. And she was able to get something different on the table. Right? But during her illness, listen, she thought, God's not doing me right. I mean, I'm serving him. It's a true story. She finally goes home on a furlough as a missionary. And, uh, she, of course, she told this story to uh, the eager audience there. And at, the close of the, at the close of the meeting, though, the, uh, a doctor in the church audience there uh, inquired as to the nature of her ailment that she had back there. And upon hearing what digestive malfunction she had, uh, he said this, Well, ma'am, if your check had arrived you would not be here talking to me today. You'd be dead. He said, listen, you see, the diet that we prescribe for that particular fatal illness is a 30-day oatmeal diet. Whoa. That's one of those moments where you go, man, why didn't I just trust God? How many times do we go through that? We walk by faith, not by sight. I don't care what the lion is. I don't care what the bear is. I don't care what Goliath, Shemalai, you're going down. God knows what he's doing all the time. Trust him. If it seems like God's given you nothing but a yucky bowl of oatmeal in life lately, day after day after day, don't think he's not doing you right. Give it some time. You're going to see, listen, that bowl full of difficulties was one of the best things ever could have given you. Why? Because he's sovereign and he never makes a mistake, not even in dishing out hard times. So whether we like it or not, whether we admit it or not, sometimes God's using those difficult circumstances, listen, as an opportunity to make sure our faith is built up high, so not if, but when the next Goliath comes, it's going down. He's building our faith up high so the problems in life don't drag us down We keep moving forward for him, being that positive witness for him until one day he takes us home. And I don't know about you, but I want to finish strong. I want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to have a David-like faith. How about you? Amen, let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get-A-Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question.